Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Welcome to Exploring Missions, connecting mission needs with those equipped by God to meet those needs across the world or across town. And now the host of Exploring Missions, Bert Harper. One of the things that you observe if you look into the scriptures that God's people just doesn't uh, dig their roots so deep in one area that when God tells them to leave, that it uproots them so bad they cannot continue to go into another. Have you noticed God's people have been mobile? Abraham would go from place, and God told him he's going to take him to a place that he didn't know, and he'd find out later. And what a journey that must have been. The Apostle Paul, certainly in the New Testament, uh, journeying. And so the journey of the disciple, the follower of Christ, is a great adventure. Seemed like that was the name of a song, and I loved it. But it is a great adventure. And today on Exploring Missions, we're going to talk about an adventure that continues. Nathan, our guest, has followed the Lord, continues to follow the Lord. And, you know, we're called to the same message, but sometimes God relocates us and even gives us a little variance on, on what we do when we get there. Yeah, it's uh, the primary, I would say the primary missionary task. And if you want to say the primary task of every follower of Jesus is to first and foremost, listen to the Holy Spirit as he leads and directs you moment by moment, but also in big situations, including like from moving from one city to another, from one state to another, even from one country to another. Uh, the, I love it. When Paul heard the Macedonian call and he had in mind to go further north and God said, no, I want you over here. And it took him two times, you know, yeah, the yeah. apostle Paul, when I look at him being a little bit stubborn, I said, oh, okay, Lord, you can work with stubborn people. And he does, but we need to be mobile. By the way, our co-host is Nathan Harper and it's our joy. It's just a joy to be able to share with you each weekend concerning the mission that God has for us, for you, and for those that we interview. Well, our person that we're interviewing today is Paul Durbin. Paul, welcome to Exploring Missions. Yeah, thanks, guys. I'm really glad to be on. Thanks so much. And your journey, we we introduced that about being mobile. (laughs) It kind of introduces (laughs) you in a way. Tell us a little bit about your journey, brother where you have been, where you are, and where you're going. Yeah, I'll try to cover, cover it real quick. <laughs> I, I, was, <laughs> I, I was born in Glasgow, Montana, which um, I just found out about a year ago was declared to be the, literally the middle of nowhere. Um, <laughs> some university out, out east did a study, and they determined it was truly the middle of nowhere. Went to school in North Dakota, met my wife. We pastored a church in Devil's Lake, North Dakota. We're part of that church for about 10 years, and God just began to speak to our heart in 2006, 2007, that time frame that um, He was leading us to China. So we, uh, 2008, we went to China, studied the language, and uh, lived in a couple different cities. We ended up finally in Beijing, 
about 2014, had the opportunity to pastor an amazing church. It's um, called Beijing International Christian Fellowship. I had a blast, loved what we were doing. And about a year ago, a little more than a year ago, God began to speak to our heart again. We thought we were done moving around, and we thought we'd found our um, our place of perpetual ministry um, in Beijing. But he began to speak to our heart about going to Boulder, Colorado. And uh, just like we had never been to China, um, we went. And honestly, we'd never been to Boulder. The only association I had with Boulder is I knew Mork and Mindy was filmed there <laughs> many years ago. Well, that, that is, um, a, that, uh, Paul, that is a good recommendation. Uh, you know, whatever Mork would say, me, 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 whatever he would say. <laughs> that's right. So that's, a, that's about all I knew. And so we just, we just doubted it at first and uh, he began to confirm it. So, June of this year, we moved back to the States, and in August, we moved to Boulder, and that's where I'm talking to you from today. Nathan, Devil's Lake, North Dakota, we have a, a station there. Did you ever get a ho- listen to AFR while you were there? Absolutely. Yeah, okay. I remember when it came in. Yeah, some friends of mine are the ones that brought it in. Some good friends of mine maintained the station. And I'm, I'm guessing that they still do. Still, still, they still drive out, you know, into the frozen tundra of North Dakota and maintain the station. And, and so, yeah, we were really grateful for it when I was there. Yeah. And Paul, you mentioned you're from Glasgow, Montana. Believe it or not, my dad and I, our family, many years ago, traveled to Glasgow, Montana. We had a, a, a friend, family friend who was uh, doing ministry there. And so I guess we've, we've all huh. been to the middle of nowhere. <laughs> you have. Yeah. Well, I, we we took it by train. We had three sons, and my wife, Jan, and I, we was trying to figure out how to get out there, and we wanted to take her sons. Couldn't afford to fly. Driving yeah. out there would take forever, so we went by train. It does. Yes, we did, and it was a great that's journey. That's a beautiful. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that's and a beautiful way to travel. It is. Well, so, when we think of, of what God has done in your life and uh, these churches, let's talk about Beijing a little bit. And you were there 10 years? So we were, we were in Beijing about five and a half, six years. Um, we were in China all together about 11 years. Okay. So about half of our time was in Beijing. And you were talking about a great church. Just describe yeah. a great church in China, because when we think of a great church in America, we think of certain things, and I just wondered sure. if there's any difference in what is considered a great church there and what we'd consider a great church here in America. You know, what was so amazing about that place, I mean, I I didn't know it existed. You know, I we went to China 2008. We were there for several years before I even realized there was this church in Beijing, and the first time I visited, just as a guest, um, it would have been December of 2013, I believe. I stepped in and could could barely believe my eyes. Um, my first thought was, um, and a lot of people say this when they go there, they say, "Wow, this must be what heaven is like." Because um, we did we did a survey, you know, a couple times a year, and uh, we determined that at any given time there was probably 70 people from 70 different nations gathered together to worship. And, you know, there would be people from nations that where their governments, of course, don't get along. I mean, we would have people from the Middle East. Uh, we would have people from Russia, from Africa, from Asia, South America, North America, just all over the globe 
So not only did we did we have all these nationalities, but we also had at least a couple dozen different denominations, and you know they were denominations. I'm I'm interrupting. (laughs) I'm interrupting a minute. That does sound a little bit like Kevin. (laughs) Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, and I, and I had people on my staff where here in the states as churches, maybe we don't even see eye to eye, you know. But here we were on staff together. You know, I come from an Assembly of God background. I had Baptist on my staff, Nazarene, different nationalities, uh, just from every walk of life. And so, I think what made it so great is that we got to a place where. Jesus was truly central, you know, because we knew there might be issues that we disagree on, whether it be politics or religion, what have you, but we could all agree on Jesus and we could all agree on the fact that people need Jesus and um, the kingdom of God needs to grow. And so what can we do to get past our differences to focus on what's really essential? And that's, I mean, I think I needed to be at that church to, to teach me, you know, how important really how few important things there really are. You know, it's Jesus, his love, his compassion for people, his desire to see the gospel go forward. You know, whatever we need to do to get beyond our differences to see those main objectives happen, then let's go for it. So that's, I guess, that's what made the church so great. And that's what I loved about it so much. Mm. Sounds wonderful, Paul. A question, I know you, you described that you kind of walked into that and the fellowship was already existing and correct but would you have any insight of of how a church like that could coming back to the states and i know you're have probably some uh, vision and plans to take some of what you've learned in china to to bring it back but how would a church in the u.s get to that point where i know now all not all the churches are in a global city like beijing where people from all over the world are living there but that sense of unity and focusing on Jesus, making Jesus central, which is what the church really, I mean, that's what we're called to be and do. How, how does that happen here in the U.S.? You know, there's a, there's a scripture that really came alive to me probably a year before we left Beijing, and I didn't know it would be a guiding scripture for me even as we came to Boulder, but it, it certainly is. Um, in John 14, 14, John writes, he says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. And, uh, you know, it just struck me that when John talked about the two basic ingredients of Jesus, they were grace and truth. Mm-hmm. And and Jesus always operated in 100% grace and 100% truth. And it seems to me that um, as church movements, we either, we kind of align with one or the other. Um, We go more towards saying just truth and we just want to get the truth out. And we'll often say, let's just get the truth out at the expense of demonstrating God's grace. Or we'll go the other direction and we'll say, well, God is all about grace. And so we just really emphasize that grace at the expense of truth. And so when we emphasize truth, it seems that we kind of lean into sort of this cold, hard legalism. And when we aim toward grace, you know, we, we lean toward this kind of this easygoing uh, license. But when we combine them, you know, we don't have that legalism, we don't have that license, but we have the love of Jesus, where somehow Jesus was able to operate in both grace 
and truth. You know, when he approached the woman at the well, he approached her in grace. The guys didn't understand what are you doing with her, his disciples? Why are you here with this woman? And but he's demonstrating grace. But then at the end, you know, he brings about the truth, and you just see that constantly in his ministry. And so, you know, we had to operate in grace and truth in Beijing. And and now that I've returned to the states, and you know, it's certainly true of Boulder. Boulder needs to to see the grace of God demonstrated, but of course they also need the truth. You know, they need both. And in our culture today, having been gone for 10 years, one thing that um, is part of my culture shock coming back to the States is seeing the division. You know, I've, I've never, I don't recall the country being so divided as it, won, as it was 10 years ago. And I think, you know, the answer is that the church not to not just emphasize, you know, what is true, but also to emphasize at the same time, simultaneously, the grace and the love of God um, and, and going into culture and, and expressing God's love and, and sharing his truth. Paul, thank you for that. I, the only way when I do that, and it is, I just want to share with you for all of us humans Combining those two truths as a follower of Christ is your goal. It's not easy, but I, I, apart from the Word of God and the Spirit of the Ho- the Holy Spirit leading us, it's impossible for us to do that. And so, Absolutely. so the Word of God, uh, and I say this truthfully, that's the reason I believe in in at least halfway expositorily teaching and preaching through the Bible. Because if you do it that way, you'll get on those two things. And but if you yes. if you just I, I'm going to use the words pick and choose, you'll usually pick the ones that you're kind of enjoy the most or appreciate the most, truth or grace. But preaching through these Bible and don't pick the verse. Uh, I'd say the books either. Uh, man, preach. From the book of Philippians, that is full of That's love right. and appreciation, but also preach from the book of First Corinthians, that is full of correction and love. And so, uh, brother, I pray for you out there. Tell us a little bit about Boulder. Let me share this with you, Nathan. Those of us that listen regularly know that he's our oldest son, but we have two other sons, Matthew and Micah. And Matthew lives in Superior, which is halfway between Boulder and Denver out that way. And so that's where he lives. So we're connected. So you've got a little bit of a prayer warrior team here with Bert and my wife, Jan, and our family praying that this ministry that you're launching will be successful. And I have to admit, it's a little bit selfish on my part, brother. Go ahead. That's amazing. Yeah, we we go through Superior quite a bit. We do some shopping in Superior because, yeah, Boulder's a unique town. Um, it's um, I heard somebody describe it. They said, if, if you can build an island in the middle of a landmass, then Boulder has accomplished that because <laughs> uh, the city is kind of contained. It's surrounded by open space. Many years ago, the city bought up you know, the, the land surrounding the city and there's no building allowed there. So there's not, um, you know, there's not the big Costco, the big Walmart. So we'll often go up to Superior to do our shopping. But we're learning about Boulder as we're here. I discovered that Gallup declared it to be at least tied for first place to be the least religious city in America. It's, I think, tied for first place with a city in Vermont. Um, and so what they mean by that is that as a least religious city, it means that people are not affiliated with 
for the most part, some organized religion. But I, I would say that Boulder, I haven't seen a study on this, but I would say that it's probably one of the more spiritual cities in America. People that, uh, you know, I believe are hungry for for truth, hungry for, you know, authenticity. And so we see it as a great opportunity to, to come in and, you know, demonstrate authentic lives to, in a sense, be incarnate. We're, we're discovering that a lot of people, uh, even in the area, um, seem to almost kind of reject Boulder. You know, the, the, their eyes kind of raise when we say we live in Boulder and say, oh, you live in Boulder. And, and I've even seen on stage interviews where people have sort of kind of push it aside and don't know what to do with it. And, um, you know, we've already met with, uh, met a couple of people on the street that talked about this church they used to, that they used to go to that is closed, the left town. Um, a lady was walking by our house and my wife began to talk with her about what we're doing. And, and she talked about how her church was closing its doors and, and they're leaving town. So we're watching, I guess, you know, the, the church has sort of left Boulder, but God has spoken to us about, coming back in and and seeing his church planted here in Boulder. Yeah, Paul, some people might, you know, hear you talk about going from China, Beijing to Boulder, Colorado, and think, oh, they must be uh, kind of pulling back from their missionary work, maybe focusing on more pastoral work. And whether whether you have a position of, of shepherding and pastoring a congregation or not, just living as a follower of Jesus in a place like Boulder, Colorado, that's just as much mission work as it would be in Beijing, China, right? Yeah. You know, I, a friend of mine said he had gone to a conference out in California and um, he, he, he was a church planning conference and he said he stood up and he asked the speaker, he, and I won't say who the speaker was, but he asked the speaker, he said, hey, say for instance, you were going to go plant a church in Boulder, Colorado, you know, what would you do? And the speaker paused, and he's written books and does conferences on church planning all the time. And he paused and he said, you know what? I would seriously consider going to Dallas, Texas instead. <laughs> and <laughs> and the, my, my, my friend said, no, seriously, if you were going to plant a church in Boulder, Colorado, what would be your approach? And he paused again. He says, well, if you're serious, he says, if I was going to Boulder, I would have to pretend that I was a foreign missionary going to a foreign country, and I would have to approach it in that fashion. And, uh, you know, we, we heard that after we had already kind of started our way here and it was very comforting to know that, okay, so God has prepared us. He needs somebody here that has a, as a missional kind of outlook and, and, and we're starting to gather a team of people that are working with us. And that's what we're stressing is this idea of living missionally. And, you know, it's really funny because even in China, you know, I got really caught up in, in pastoring the church. Um, it was a lot of responsibility and I forgot to live missionally. And as we've come here to Boulder, where we're starting from zero, there's nothing on the ground, there's nothing waiting for us. And, and we're, you know, deciding to live missionally and it changes everything. It changes even the very small things. Like if, like I, I go to a gym and the reason I go to the gym, uh, you know, health wise, but also I just want to meet people. And, and normally I would say stick in my AirPods and listen to a podcast or listen to music. But I consciously say to myself, but wait a minute, I don't want to close myself out from people I might meet. And so living missionally 
affects me in those small ways of even taking out my earbuds so I can engage with somebody, learn their name. You know, when we go shopping, it's, it's, it's living missionally means I'm talking to the, the clerk, you know, and I'm, I'm finding out his name and chatting with him for a little bit. And so that's actually, so it's, it's like China, 10 years in China has, has just prepared us to live here and, and do our best to learn the language. And I'm not, you know, they speak English, but, but what makes a person in Colorado tick? You know, yeah. what makes a person in Boulder tick? And so learning their language, learning their culture. Absolutely. Yeah. Learning their culture. This reminds me, Nathan, uh, our co-host, spent five years in Atlanta working with refugees that had come to America from all countries all over the world. It was amazing. And hearing you talking about going to the gym reminded me of Nathan going to the coffee shops and uh, sitting down and chatting with people. And I taught him not to drink coffee, you know, but he learned. Now, I I say that (laughs) in humor. I just I drink iced tea uh, no matter if it's zero (laughs) degrees outside or 100 degrees outside. I don't touch coffee. And my son's took that on and Nathan but guess what Nathan did Paul he learned to drink coffee so he could reach the unreached people groups and when I hear about Boulder yeah. I don't know if they'd qualify as an unreached people group but I would say is it two percent that are yeah. affiliated with evangelical church I know it's probably not that severe but it is you nearly have to treat it like an unreached people group don't you nathan and paul well i don't yeah i don't know the stats on boulder paul mike can fill us in but it's the same approach it's paul in athens approach taking personal interest as you observe and see what bridges and connections can be made with the people and the culture there and sharing the gospel in a way that they can understand and make a genuine heart response yeah i think as far as people that are involved with a it was saying evangelical church. It's it's got to be like what I think you said two percent, one, two, three percent, because I can count on just a couple of fingers. You know the number of say I would call I would I, that I would term a life giving evangelical gospel preaching church. They're just they just don't exist here except for just a, just a few, and uh, the other churches that do exist have have basically just. You know, they've they've gone against every major point of the gospel. Um, and so there's there's just a, a a serious lack, you know, of opportunities for people to even encounter the good news. How can we pray and how can people help in making this happen? Because we're talking about unreached people groups and we talk about reaching a people group in, say, in Atlanta or in New York City or Houston, Texas, and we say there's a pocket of unreached people group. Here in Boulder, it seems like we have a whole city that is disconnected at the least with evangelical church. How can we pray for you? How else can we help? Is there a website that people can go to to learn more about what God has presented and laid on your heart? Yeah, definitely. Um, one thing on my heart right now is to to build up a prayer team that is supporting us as we're here. Um, I think I have about 850 that are part of our you know newsletter subscription that we send out once a month, and uh, I consider them my prayer partners. And so we're our goal is to have 2020 prayer partners in 2020. And um, so if somebody listening would like to join our prayer team, they can just go to goderban.com. 
go uh, go durbin is g-o-d-u-r-b-i-n.com and uh there's just a button there they can subscribe and we send out an update once a month just to let people know what we're doing and um yeah we would love people to to join that and as they pray one thing that they can pray for those two thousand people is that our goal right now, we're, we're focusing on two things with our team and with our family, Are just two, two things. We're focusing on connection and awareness, connecting with people and helping them be aware that we exist, that we're here. And uh, we've set a goal of, of getting to know 1,200 people by about mid-year next year. And what we're doing is just we're, we're, we're working a couple part-time jobs here and there. We're going for walks. We're joining the gym. We're getting involved with our kids at school, just uh, learning people's names. And um, so far, our team, we've written down on a banner in our living room, we've written down about 150 names. So we've got a ways to go. But as our team increases and as we uh, get, um, get plugged in with more activities here in Boulder, we're going to get to know 1,200 people, and we're praying for those 1,200 people. We're praying for opportunities for spiritual conversations with those people, um, looking for opportunities to enter into discipleship type of relationships with those people. And so those are, those are ways that, that people can support us in prayer. And if, and if anybody's interested in supporting us financially, um, we have a matching gift that somebody has laid out there. Um, they've, they've promised to give 50000 toward the church plant if we will raise 50000 as well. And um, we've already raised about 30000 of that uh, 50000 50, So we're looking for another 20000 that people would give toward the project, give toward planning a church. Well, I would say, Paul, you've got a, at least one new subscriber and prayer team member. <laughs> Two, actually, my dad says. So, thank you. (laughs) And uh, we just we uh, you know want to be a part of what God's doing. And I know we kind of waited to the last minute to ask this. uh, Probably should have been the first question we might have asked. But can you tell us about your family? And as you do, maybe how we can pray for them. I know there's you mentioned culture shock earlier. I know there's probably some issues that you've dealt with in moving, making this big move. But tell us about your family. Yeah, um, my wife Patty. we have been married for about 26, a little over 26 years. Um, we were married when we were 20, really young. We have four kids. Uh, my son Noah is in Minneapolis um, studying for ministry, um, has has a very close girlfriend that I think he might be asking a question to very soon. <laughs> uh, my, my, daughter is, <laughs> my daughter is 18 and she is uh, in Israel. And then I have two at home still. Chloe is... 15 and Samuel is 12 and you know they're all doing really good. They when we first talked about moving back to the states, they all cried to be honest because uh, they love China, but God began to speak to each one of them and so each one of them, you know, and, and my wife and I were at peace with what God has asked us to do, asked us to do and and super excited about it. That's wonderful. Well, we definitely will be uh praying for you the work that God is calling you to do but also your family as well. And it's really awesome to see how God doesn't just uh, call individuals and doesn't just uh, save individuals. He, he calls, he saves, he sends out families and also whole bodies, uh, congregations and churches. And uh, so we're just thankful that we had this opportunity to talk with you today. Yes, that's GoDurbin.com, GoDurbin.com, become a prayer warrior with him, prayer partner, and uh, if you want to connect with him financially, you can do that there as well and find out how 
so he can reach that goal. 30,000 of the 50 has been collected and 20 more thousand that doubles it, 100,000. That's a good basis. So we're going to be praying for you, Paul. Thank you for being with us here on Exploring Missions, brother. Yeah, thank you, Bert. Thank you, Nathan. It's been a real joy, real honor. And as you have heard this, I pray that God has touched your heart. Uh, One of the reasons AFR lets us do this program and ask us to do this program is not just for information, but also for activity. Uh, One of the things AFR is known for is being active. So be active as you listen to God as you're on mission for Him. (laughs) 